Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st. Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd. Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th. Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 157, Ask Baba Yaga with Taisia Kataiskaya. I am so excited for this episode. I feel like I say that every episode, but I'm genuinely very excited for this episode because it's not very often that we get to uh, talk to a folklore character. It is so exciting. Listen, we go into it in depth, but Ask Baba Yaga is one of those like beautiful phenomena of the internet that I have been enjoying for my whole, like from college onward. Like it feels like my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. I could tell you were very excited as you recorded this episode. And we even had Baba Yaga herself, aka Taya, uh, give a an answer to a problem that a Spirits listener was facing. So this is a good one, y'all. Yes, definitely stick around because it's the last thing we kind of do in the episode and it is worth everything. You know who else is worth everything, Julia? Is it our new patrons? Our new patrons, and there are so many to thank. Charlotte, Kyle of the Husky, Ian, Jessica, Erin, and Tila, her amazing wonder daughter. Hi, Tila. Ian F., Megan Linger, and Megan Rubenstein. Yes, and they join the ranks of our wonderful, amazing, supporting producer-level patrons. Philip, Tasha, Deborah, Molly, Megan, Skyla, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. And our legend-level patrons who may or may not walk around the forest on chicken feet. Hannah, Morgan, Emily, James, Be Me Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Cody, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. Who's to say? Maybe they walk backwards into the forest on those chicken legs. Holding cocktails like the one we enjoyed for this episode. <laughs> yes. So for this one, since Baba Yaga is very much a forest spirit, I recommend making a forest for the treat. So it's a cocktail made with this Dutch liquor, kind of similar to Jim, called... Bowls Genevere. It's super botanical, uh, though honestly, you could probably sub it in with a super botanical gin if your local liquor store doesn't sell it. I understand it's it's not like super popular as a liquor. Uh, and then you infuse that liquor with Douglas fir tea, and then you use vermouth and green chartreuse, and it's this herbal and piney flavor, and it feels like you're walking through a pine forest in Russia, and it's great. Truly delectable. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Speaking of which, Julia, your taste in cocktails is just so good. Please tell me what else you recommend that uh, the conspirators and I listen to, watch, or read this week. Ooh, so I'm about three quarters of the way through a new book. And you know how much I love a good new book. I do. This time around, it is The Red Threads of Fortune by J.Y. Yang. So it's basically a, a fantasy novel that is based on Eastern Asia, and it deals with like 
psychological trauma and recovery and also there's dinosaurs and naga and it's basically like if avatar the last airbender were queerer and more skewed towards an adult audience absolutely incredible and just the thing i need in 2019 Mm, i know it's great it's really really solid and there's a sequel so if you finish this one very quickly and then you're like i need more don't worry there's another one i love that and i know both of us julia saw knives out this weekend as did editor eric so we absolutely have to give a plug there i hope you have heard about it i'll a la the sweater, a la the like wonderful kind of sociopolitical context in which it's happening, a la just being a wonderful murder mystery. Go see Knives Out. It's great. Oh, I should have made that my recommendation and saved the Red Threads of Fortune for later. Dang it. Well, instead you get a double. That's good. Yeah, I do like a double. And talking about double, triple, quadruple threats, uh, I just wanted to give a quick plug here to Head, Heart, Gut. So this is the members-only podcast that we make for our multi-crew every dang week. It is a debate show. So we debate things that are silly, things that are serious. We basically put way too much effort, concentration, and structure into debating stuff from pop culture and the world around us. And this month, Julia, that's cutlery. Team Join the Party is arguing what is best, fork, knife, or spoon, uh, which were assigned to us by editor Eric based on our personalities. so And what did you get, bud? I got the knife. Correct. No, Eric Silver opted for hard mode, which was uh, the fork. Brandon uh, got the spoon because we all agree that Tracy is definitely a spoon. Mm. Uh, Brandon's giving me some high fives from mm-hmm. outside the window, uh, raising the roof, as it were, with his <laughs> spoon hands. Uh, yes. It's a wonderful month. It's a wonderful edition of Head, Heart, Gut. So it's a great month to join. Yes. Also, Eric Schneider recently told me what the next one is going to be. And while we'll keep it secret for now, I'm very excited. And we're already arguing about it in the group chat that we started for it. Yes, that is something that multi-crew motivator and magnificence members get to vote on. So there's like three tiers in the top two tiers get to vote on what topics we do for Head, Heart, Gut in the future. So it's really by, for, and like completely dedicated to our multi-crew members. So if you want to check out Head, Heart, Gut, join the multi-crew, get some exclusive merch, some glitter pins. That's at multicrew.club. It's really worth joining. Honestly, we put our kind of heart and souls and also heads and guts into each episode that we make. Sure do. And it's fantastic. As is this episode of Spirits. So without further ado, enjoy episode 157, Ask Baba Yaga with Taisia Kataiskaya. We are so excited to welcome Taisia Kataiskaya, who is a writer of The Nightgown and Other Poems coming out next year, Literary Witches from 2017, and one soon-to-be-two books called Ask Baba Yaga. I am so stoked to have her here. I've been reading her work for like five or six years. Um, the Ask Bobby Aga column on the hairpin. It's amazing. You will see why I am so obsessed with this with this column. So, Taya, welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I know Amanda is extremely excited. And while I'm not as familiar with your work, I am also just, I was sold on just the name of it itself. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's so fun when people read the column back in the day. So Ask Baba Yaga is absolutely wonderful. It has like a very specific voice, a specific grammar, a specific look. Um, So Taya, could you give us a a sort of sample of what that sounds and looks like? Yes. So this is um, a piece that I recently posted on Instagram. And the question is, Dear Baba Yaga, the dying always say that all that matters is love, the love they've shared with other people. But I am an introvert. And while I truly love my family and friends, I prefer to spend most of my time alone or with my pet. Well, I regret not spending more time with my loved ones. Or is there more to life than other people? And Baba Yaga says, 
humans are just another pumpkin in the patch. Among insect pumpkins, rat pumpkins, thought pumpkins, god pumpkins, whale pumpkins. To be happy, you must love some things, any things, with all your pumpkin cells, till they glow out. And if this is so, you will not regret your time in the garden. I'm just going to cry now. It's fine. <laughs> Do you guys see why I'm so obsessed with this? <laughs> we all are oh, pumpkins. I love that. We are. We're all pumpkins. I can hear <laughs> what I know to be the grammar, which is like Y-R for your. Yeah. Um, how did you kind of get to like the appearance and grammar of the Baba Yaga column? Yeah, I just um, I just felt like Baba would have her own style in her own way of writing things. And um, that's why R works for her. I like it because it looks spiky to me and irreverent. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, a lot of people get angry about the way this is laid out and that it's kind of. Well, clearly they don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it, man. But I remember one person being like, yeah, so I guess Baba's just like an internet troll with her YR. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was that's definitely how it works. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also no. <laughs> right. She is she is an internet troll of the best kind. Um, <laughs> and I like the punctuation, too, because it, it like there's a lot of semicolons and colons and weirdly placed commas. Um, and those, I think, you know, they kind of create natural breaks because in a way that these are poems. But there's no line breaks. So I think they create pauses. Um, and they also, to me, suggest this kind of like landscape of like bones. <laughs> so in her, in Baba's mm. hut, um, it's surrounded by this fence that has skulls um, on like posts, uh, human skulls. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So yeah. <laughs> And, you know, she eats a lot of people and other things. So there's bones kind of scattered about. And it's like it's the anti-white picket fence. It's like the uh, bone That's fence. true. <laughs> yes. Baba is the anti-wasp for sure. <laughs> but Taya, I would love to hear a little bit from you about Baba Yaga and her place in your life, maybe starting with her as a literary trope and then a bit more about your kind of folkloric and mythological upbringing. So my family is from Siberia, um, the Irkutsk region, and um, which is like by Mongolia. It's around this huge lake called Lake Baikal. So um, that's where we were all born. And then we came to America when I was five. So kind of my earliest memories are being around this, this lake in this really dense forest um, during the summers. Because most Russians have um, a dacha, like a summer house, even if you're poor. And this was still in the Soviet Union, so everyone's poor. Yeah, so we would go and hang out in the in this forest every summer, and I just had this really strong sense that Baba Yaga was in the woods. And I must have heard stories about her, you know. And then certainly since then, I've like absorbed specific tales. But she was a very strong figure back then. And um, so Baba Yaga, for people who don't know, is this Slavic folklore being uh who's a witch she's an old crone and she lives in a chicken legged hut um so a hut with chicken legs iconic yeah big thick chicken legs (laughs) yes and they kind of move around as well i know yeah chickens are a big deal i feel like in folklore and so this is like Mm. the ultimate chicken so yeah so she lives in this 
this hut that kind of moves around. You can tell that if you, if you come upon the hut in the woods, you can tell it to turn around. And you, there's like a certain phrase that you say. It's like, chicken hut, turn around, show me your gate, and turn your back to the forest. Ooh. Yeah. But it also, like in, in different interpretations of Baba Yaga, like there's really wonderful animations um, for children about her. Like the hut kind of gets a mind of its own and runs away. So the figure herself, you know, she's often depicted as like very ugly um, and, you know, she's very ambiguous. She's morally ambiguous. And that's what I love about her is like in some of the stories, she's absolutely the villain and she's trying to eat everybody who comes to her hut or she'll like find you and try to eat you. And then in some of the stories, she's the like the donor and the gift giver and the um, the teller of advice and she'll give you like a special magical object to get you through. And in many stories, she's kind of both. Like you'll come to her hut, she'll try to eat you. She'll be like, "Okay, let's get ready. We'll bathe you and then eat you." And then you're like, "No, give me a, <laughs> give me a bed, give me food." And she's like, "All right." And then <laughs> she'll like just change her mind. <laughs> I know she'll be. She's very unpredictable. So I love that about her. Is she's kind of like I feel like does things on a whim. So that's kind of where the the idea of the calm came from. Is that sort of being able to come to her hut with your burning questions, something that's worth kind of laying down your life for and risking being eaten and her in this moment being the good Baba and helping you out. I love that. Is there any sort of um, like advice for how not to get eaten by her? Like, is there a way you're (laughs) supposed to act or is it just kind of like being honest or distracting her? Like what's the, what's the sort of like fairy tale logic? Yeah, I think um, in some of the tales, she puts you through sort of a test. So you'll have to clean her house or like make a feast for her in kind of an impossible amount of time. And the protagonist ends up using like kind of everything they have at their disposal, like their kindness, their creativity, um, special magical objects like a doll that will come alive um, and help you out. Um, The kindness comes in when like there's different beings and creatures in the house like her cat and her gate and the pot and if you like take care of them like if you grease the pot and you feed the cat and you like oil the hinges of the gate they'll like come to your aid and make things go easily for you and your and your tasks for baba i i love that so i think some of it is like just being a good person and some of it is being tricky but i think the way that i feel about the questions that i get for the column um and the books now is like, are you, are you sincere? Like, are you coming to this with like something that is really weighing on you and that you've really like kind of reached your end of the end of your powers and now you have to bring it to something divine that knows more than all of us. Mm. So not something that you can just like talk about with a friend. Yeah, you're not like asking for the easy way out. Right, yeah. And you kind of have to be ready to hear the harsh truth. I mean, like the stereotype is that Russians are harsh and. uh if you meet my parents, you'll know that is true. But like, <laughs> <laughs> and Baba is the harshest. You know, she doesn't give a fuck. She's in the woods. She's like hanging out with dragons and uh, mushrooms and stuff. So she doesn't really have time for she you. She doesn't so need you. She doesn't need you. Yeah, she kind of will just like bestow her her wisdom on you if she feels like it. Oh, I love that so much. I love a fickle god. You know, <laughs> I know it's so fun. So, what are your sort of head canons about Baba Yaga? How, like, where do you go? What is the perspective you come at when you answer people's questions in the voice of Baba Yaga, which is 
Ask Baba Yaga. Yeah. So the, I guess we haven't really described what it looks like. It's a short question and then like a paragraph long response from Baba. And her, her responses are kind of littered with like punctuation marks that are kind of wild and sometimes misspellings. And she has her own grammar. Um, so the perspective I take, I guess I really, you know, I feel different things about how I access the voice of Baba at different times. Sometimes I feel like it's just kind of a, a literary persona. And then sometimes I feel like I'm really channeling this really ancient figure in the collective unconscious. And um, sometimes I feel like I'm like somewhat possessed, but in a fun way, like like you would kind of carry a character around with you and they just start to have a life of their own. So I really just kind of like, when I get a question, I usually have my human response to the question, like, oh boy, or like, oh, you should really do this. Or, you know, I have my own little like pedestrian responses. And then I sort of wait for, I, I like put those aside and I wait for Baba's voice to come in with her particular language. Once I, I feel her language come in and her images start to settle in and they surprise me. That's when I know that I'm answering from something else. That's not just me. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And it really reminds me just because my background is very much like ancient history and, uh, mm -hmm. and religion thereof. It very much reminds me of like the channeling of gods and goddesses through like priestesses and ritual and stuff like that. And it's so yeah. fascinating to see that in the modern culture and the way that you describe it is so like ancient, but also uh, modern at the same time. I just, it, it brings me such joy to hear you talk about it like <laughs> that. No, um, I was just going to say, you know, when, so I was like aware of Baba as a very small child, but then she came to me in my modern life and as an adult um, in a mystical way, because I was, she, she's a character in a play that I was writing. This is 2013. And um, I did like an interview with her in my notebook, like asking her questions about what she liked to eat and where she lived and what her house was like. And then, so it was kind of like an automatic writing exercise. Then she started in her answers, like, you know, that I was writing down, she started asking me questions. She didn't want to answer any of my questions. She was like, all right, Taya, <laughs> what's up with you? We're all worried about <laughs> you here in the forest. And then I heard this <laughs> clang in my oven. And I was like, oh, oh Baba. Because she's such a domestic creature, like she's a forest witch, but she also her hut is a big deal, and everything that goes on in her her kitchen is very much part of her like kitchen witch magic too. Um, so I was like, oh, she's here, and it was it was a little spooky. It was like the middle of the afternoon, hot Texas summer, dark inside, trying to keep the sun out. And then I started. I was like, this is spooky, and I told one of my friends about it, uh, the playwright Eva Suter, and Eva was like, you know what, I would love to get advice from Baba Yuga. We should we should start, you know, canvassing questions. So that's what I did and then it got on the hairpin. Ah, oh, that's so amazing. Speaking of like domestic ritual, is there something that you do or smell or any kind of like physical rituals that you do before writing Ask Baba Yaga? Yeah, I do actually. Um I didn't do this before, um but as I've kind of, you know, I'm not a, a true practicing witch, but I know people who are. And as I got kind of deeper into witchery and just learn more about it and encounter people who actually work with magic, I'm just like, oh, this shit is really real, you know? And I don't want to like, you know, I, I get more protective of, of this 
portal that I'm opening and closing, however you want to think about it. So I do have some sage and I have some Palo Santo and I'll, I'll usually burn one or the other and make kind of a protective circle around me and my typewriter, which is where I do the Baba uh, questions and answers because she doesn't like technology. So I have to like <laughs> <laughs> keep it chill with the typewriter. Um, yeah, so that's what I do. That's so amazing. And you actually answered a question from a spirits listener, which we're going to get to at the end of the episode that I am beyond stoked to hear. Julia, the first of the month has new significance to me, not just as the you know beginning of uh, the month in your planner. And remember in high school, we used to try to like say the first word of our month. You ever do that? Where it's like, oh, my first hello of the month. Oh, no, I didn't. I, I know the the old like folklore tradition of saying white rabbit, white rabbit, white rabbit when you first wake yeah. up on the first day of the month is like good luck or whatever. Well, the adult version of that in my life is I have to send so many invoices on the first of the month. I have to invoice all of our sponsors. I have to pay all of our moderators and transcribers and studio technicians. And it makes it really, really simple when I use HoneyBook for that. Otherwise, I would be in giant spreadsheets tracking like dozens and dozens and dozens of payments. And I'm not about that. Life. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. Whether you're a freelancer, entrepreneur, or small business owner, it is going to be helpful to you and integrate with services you already use like QuickBook, Google Suite, and Excel. It can help you automate your busy work with templates and all kinds of other ways to help automate busy work and help you get back to what you actually want to do, which is, you know, your business. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners half off, 50% off when you visit HoneyBook.com spirits. That applies to both monthly and annual plans at honeybook.com slash spirits. Yep, that's 50% off your first year by going to honeybook.com slash spirits. Now, Amanda, I know that you've got such skills being our CEO and amazing person all around, but oh, I know you're also always trying to like learn something new. So tell me, what'd you learn new this month from Skillshare? I learned, Julia, some things I never knew about caring for plants <gasps> because I thought to myself, wait, what if Skillshare had courses about plants? And sure enough, they do. So this week, I am recommending Happy House Plants, Caring for Your Plants. And listen, we inherit a lot of wisdom from, you know, our parents and grandparents. I've Googled some things about different specific kinds of plants, but it was really helpful to have a refresher on like, yeah, if in doubt, just don't water them. You have to clean your plant's leaves, which you are going to hear all about later on in this episode. So it was really helpful for me because this year for the holidays, I am propagating and giving out little cuttings from my plants in an effort to, you know, be more sustainable, create less waste and and uh, save a little bit of money this holiday season. That's extremely sweet. And also, this is one of over 25,000 classes that you can take at Skillshare in order to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and career. If you're not taking classes about plants like Amanda is, you can take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, even illustration, and so, so much more. And you can get Skillshare Premium for two months completely for free at Skillshare.com Spirits 2. That's Spirits and the number two. So get unlimited access to all 25,000 plus of their classes for free at Skillshare.com slash spirits too. Yep, that's Skillshare.com slash Spirits2. Amanda, I am I'm in a bit of a tricky situation right now because I currently have my cousin staying with me as he finishes up his classes uh, for college for the semester. And he arrived last night after taking his exams extremely hungry. And Jake and I usually only cook for two. So what did I do? 
I uh, pulled up my DoorDash app and I ordered some more food. Wow, you are such a provider without needing to do much of the providing. Yeah, I listen, I do what I can. Last minute, DoorDash is perfect for that. And DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is super easy. Like I said, all you got to do is open up that DoorDash app and there are over... 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities so you can find a new favorite too. Try something new. Try that Thai place that you just haven't gotten to yet. You know, they probably have some really good curry. Try that fried chicken sandwich at the fast food chain of your choice. Yeah. And the best part is with their door-to-door delivery, it's in all 50 states and in Canada. You can order your local go-tos or you can go to your favorite national chains like Chipotle or if you're Amanda, the Cheesecake Factory every single time. (laughs) So you don't have to worry about dinner. You can let dinner come to you with DoorDash. All you got to do, open that app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the door DoorDash app and enter the promo code SPIRITS. That's the promo code SPIRITS for $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download DoorDash from the App Store. Yep. And don't forget that is promo code SPIRITS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. And now let's get back to the show. I do also want to ask, like, are there any um, sort of themes, moments, aspects of the, like, mythology of Baba Yaga or like what do you think of her as a kid and sort of learning a little bit more about um, your version of her or the version of her that you grew up with? Yeah um, I think what I liked about her as a kid is she was definitely scary but she also was very independent and I love that she was alone. Um, She was alone in the woods doing her own thing like having her own sort of imaginative eternal life there which is kind of like my dream <laughs> for life <laughs> for myself, even though I'm also a normal person. I'm married. I have friends. You know, I love to live in a city. But there's something about that image of an old woman who doesn't give a fuck in the woods and who's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, interacting with animals and like flying around in a mortar and pestle, like a mortar and pestle that you would grind herbs in. She's got, she's like sitting in the in the mortar and uh, moving around with the the pestle and um, sweeping if she's ever on the ground like sometimes she'll kind of drag along the ground she'll sweep her tracks up with a broom because she wants to remain elusive and you can't track her down um Love uh, yeah. the Big dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't so she- bought a mortar and pestle yet for my kitchen and i feel like part of the reason why is because i just want it to be perfect and like she yeah. would use and i need to yeah. have like an extremely <laughs> witchy one I requested one for my uh, my wedding registry, and no one bought it for me, and I'm forever no. upset. Uh, all right, Julie, we have to get a matching set then. Instead of okay, our spirits cool, cool, tattoos, cool. that's what we have to do. <laughs> well, no, we're still going to get the spirits tattoos, okay, but okay, okay, we can okay. also get matching work. That'll be our four-year anniversary gift. Aww. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, so she's like, you know, that part of that thing of sweeping up her her trail is she's, she's so hard to pin down. Um, and I love that about her, too. I think she's like a true feminist figure. And, you know, part of the, like, reclaim the witch movement where feminists have started to see the witch as this figure of empowerment and creativity and independence from relationships. You know, so many of the other female archetypes are defined by um, men and children, but she's just her own being and she's defined by her creativity and her, um, her ability to change the world and, you know, make it magical and delightful for herself you know I think even as a child like that held appeal to me and it's you know she's only become more important to me over time as like an aspirational figure really 
Yeah. From the sort of silliest aspects of like, you don't know where I live. Like, I can invite you over, but that doesn't mean you can come drop by any time. You know, that appeals to me so much. But right. also the idea that, you know, she isn't good or bad. She's her own person. You have to treat her like a person and not just like a like vending machine of good or bad consequences, which is how a lot of kind of archetypal <laughs> figures feel to me sometimes in, in yeah. fairy tales. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, like the villainous aspects of her, I think, you know, there's there's scholars who study her and I'm not a scholar, but what I've kind of picked up and what I suspect is that she used to be perhaps more of a positive figure. There's some evidence that she was like a Slavic deity, um, like a goddess of death and, and the forest or a goddess of wisdom. And I think maybe with Christianity and, you know, with a more patriarchal society, she became more of this like fearsome cannibalistic um, ugly, you know, hateful thing. But it's mm-hmm. it's not hard to like dig behind that and like the stories do have her being this wise gift giver. Totally. And what was the kind of like boogeyman um, like rules to her? If Was it if you did something bad? Was it if you, you like went off unsupervised? If you mm. encountered her? Is there something you were supposed to do to stay safe as a kid? Right. It Yeah, it would really have to do with going into the woods or, um, you know, it would also be like a trial. Sometimes you go into the woods by yourself, but often you'd be looking for something, um, or you'd be sent by somebody. Like there's a lot of stepmother stories that are common and, you know, fairy tales all over the world, but, um, like, you know, kind of an evil stepmother sending her stepdaughter out to basically die in the woods. Um, <laughs> and then the stepdaughter <laughs> finds Baba Yaga and you know that's not where her troubles end like she still has to go through the tests or you know outsmart Baba um, and you know at that point Baba can can be villainous or or good um, but yeah it, I think you have to get lost I think that's one of the things um, mm. and then if you can make it out alive is sort of up to you and sort of up to chance and how Baba is feeling too. I like that. I like that uh, being lost is a part of her narrative because it it implies that you're kind of having to let go of the society around you in order Mm -hmm. to experience her. And that can fits with all of her stuff about like hiding her trails and being a forest spirit and, you know, being like in the dark parts of the woods. I uh, I love when all of mythology kind of adds up together. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the advice angle here is so clear. Like, I, I think this is such a natural pairing um, because you do sometimes like it feels like you are completely lost in whatever problem or hardship you're facing um, when you turn to someone for help. And from the sort of uh, qualities you described earlier of what a good question is for your column and your books, it sounds like truly being like lost in the woods is sort of the the place that you work the best. Mm-hmm. You know, it just occurred to me like there's a couple of other special characteristics about Baba that I think are worth noting. One is she um, is the only witch in mythology, like world mythology, who has a name. She's a really distinct mm. personality. And the other thing is that perhaps because Russia, you know, and she's not just a Russian witch, she's, you know, present in Ukrainian, Belarusian, and also West Slavic uh, folklore. But, you know, Eastern Europe is 
kind of far flung out there, especially once you get out to Siberia, where she also has a presence. Perhaps because of that and perhaps because of Christianity coming late to the Slavs, um, it was like in the 1100s that like Kievan ancient Rus um, converted to Christianity. There's still a lot of pagan beliefs that are like very much alive um, in Russian and Slavic culture to this day. Like, I think Baba Yaga has always been kind of a mythological figure rather than someone that people believed in as being like a real spirit. Um, so that's debatable. But there's definitely other spirits that like people do believe in um, to this day. Like there's the Dumovoy, which is like the spirit of the house who you have to appease in certain ways. And then there's the Lieshe, which is the spirit of the forest. It's like when things go wrong or when you're lost, um, mm -hmm. he can kind of be good and bad too. Um, and then there's the Banyik, which is a spirit of the Banya, like the sauna. That's actually one of the ones I'm not super familiar with. Could you give me a little bit more information about that one? Yeah, it's just like another, it's kind of like the Dumbovoy of the, of the Banya. Um, I forget okay. what the spirit does, but I think it's like, you know, if, if things go wrong or right, you can blame them on the Banyak. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little furry creature. That's something that I enjoy about Russian culture to this day. You know, I haven't been back to Russia since I was a kid, but just like how it lives through my family and friends. Um, this like pagan world of otherworldly beings is like still very much alive. Yeah, I really feel so vibrant, like a, a part of society that you might not see all the time, but has rules, codes, norms, you know, uh, mm -hmm. jokes and all that kind of stuff. A lot of humor uh, to me as an outsider is is what yeah. kind of marks Russian folklore, which might might sound a little bit, uh, I don't know, like discordant, but that really is the impression I get. No, I think that's totally true. And that's why I enjoy it so much. Like, I think Baba is very funny um, as a character. I think like some of the pieces are funny or she can just get angry and um like salty and you know sp speak in that way though she can also be very serious a lot of the questions that i've gotten are really heavy actually um and they'd be like too much for me as just a mortal person to address which is why it's nice to have baba come in with all her like immortal um uh mythological wisdom and tell us how it is. Yeah. Have you ever felt uh, like tempted to bring a problem of your own or tried to consult her um, for like for personal uh, wisdom? Yeah, I have brought a couple of my um, my problems to her. I think there's one or two in the first book. I'll let you guess which ones. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, I think really, you know, um, I grew up without any religion. I think I'm one of like. I'm the only one among my friends who didn't have some kind of Christianity or other religion in their background. And um, I think it's helped me a lot, a lot in life. Like I feel like most people these days have to work through to get rid of some of the, the harm of those um, organized religions. Um, but uh, for me, it's more just like about growing the sort of pagan world that, that did surround me and, I really think of Baba as like, like if she was a deity, she would be fantastic. Like I would love to like worship and commune with, with Baba, which I guess I do. I know. I think that definitely qualifies. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I think this is a perfect time for us to hear about one of the problems that our spirits listener would bring to Babiaga and hear what she has to say. Yes. Okay. So this was um, a question by Julia Rose O'Hara, Twitter handle at Juge Rose. This is a more lighthearted question and it's kind of a practical one, which I, I love to throw Baba like a very specific practical question once in a while and see what happens. So Julia asked, Dear Baba Yaga, how can I keep my plants alive? Nothing seems to work. I think this is a common problem. All right. So Baba Yaga says, did you know your plants are wise gnomes scheming of climbing over castle walls to overthrow monarchies? Their minds have spires and chambers. They speak in many tongues, receiving love notes from the sun and sending nasty ones to certain detested rabbits. They are sometimes lusty, brooding, always philosophical. They are earth animate. How can you please them if you ignore their true beings? Listen close. Maybe they do not wish to live in your house at all. No, so good. (laughs) That's really, really great. I love that so much. Oh, that's so wonderful. I want my plants to be lusty gnomes, personally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think they are. I'm only able to keep anything alive via one of those hydroponic systems. Otherwise, everything (laughs) dies. (laughs) Listening to your plants is a very good piece of advice. Yeah, what are are their hopes and dreams, you know? What are their views? Maybe they want to be outside. (laughs) On the universe. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Maybe they want to uh, kick this bucket and be reincarnated (laughs) somewhere else. Yeah. Just Maybe valid. they like had a lover in the in the greenhouse, and then you took them from their lover. That's fucked oh, up. No, that makes Don't me so that. sad. Like now, <laughs> no. Once you start thinking about it, it gets really heavy. Oh man, makes me very <laughs> concerned for the warren of rabbits that live in my backyard. I know, but you're not going to oh, yeah. watership down them. Like they they have no. they have their own society. You're not going to mess with it. No, no, no. They they rule my backyard. They have free reign compared to me. I can't think of a better note to end on as I stare out of the studio window at my jungle of plants <laughs> here in the office. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to them for a little you bit. You should go ask Aww. and see if they want to like go for a walk or something, Amanda. They do look pretty lusty. They have a lot of tendrils. They do. Yeah, put them in a <laughs> wagon, you know, take them for a spin around the neighborhood. That's what I'm saying. Aww. We had the yeah, park okay. right down the street. They would love it. You know, they really, they love being misted. That's been my, like, plant care tip. My grandma was like, man, you got to mist them every day. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, God, I didn't know that. So I I give them a little spritz in the morning when I come into work. And they love being wet. They're very lusty. (laughs) This is very erotic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're we're fully there. Amanda, the other day, was watering the plants. And I watch her, like, slowly rub each leaf down. I'm like, what you doing, bud? She's like, if they get dirty, they can't get the sun. Well, we did a lot like, of construction in the office. I don't do this every time I water my plants. Okay, there would be like hundreds sure. of leaves. But I had I had to clean off the giant monstera leaves because there was like plaster dust on them. And then they can't photosynthesize, Julia. <laughs> you wouldn't want that. No, we would never want that. Well, I listened to a podcast uh, about an episode about Jenny Slate. And she, she has a long thing about her plants and how she has all these house plants um, that she takes care of. And it's like an important thing for her to be grounded and in touch with life um and like Mm -hmm. she made the point that if you can keep your plants alive like 
there's something going right with you spiritually. Ooh, um, that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think Jenny Slate might be a witch. I think it's only a matter oh, of time. Like 80% likely, I feel like. Yeah. She is definitely some kind of deity. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Taya, thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about your process and your Babiaga. Can you let everybody know where they can get your books or follow you online? Yes. Yeah, so you can follow me um, at taisia.kitaiskaya. And I know no one knows what that's spelled like, so it'll be in the show notes, I imagine. And well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find my books wherever books are sold. Um, try your local bookstore. And uh, I have an Oracle deck, too, for um, my my oracle and tarot people. Uh, it's based mm-hmm. on my book, Literary Witches, and it has portraits of women authors throughout time as uh, guidance for your spiritual life. Ooh, I love that. And yeah, so on my Instagram, at taisia.kataiskaya, um, I post a weekly Ask Bobby About piece for um, start building towards my book, which will be out in fall 2020. And that'll be the second Baba book and it's called Ask Bobby Yaga, Poetic Remedies for Troubled Times. We need it. Yeah, we do need it. <laughs> we need the Baba. Always need Baba. Taya, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. And listeners, remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at honeybook.com slash spirits. You can get 50% off your first year, either monthly or annual plans. At Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2, you can get two free months of Skillshare Premium. And on DoorDash, use the code SPIRITS for $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code SPIRITS at checkout. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, directors, commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.